0: Hello and welcome to IEEE soft robotics uh, podcaster. Could you please introduce yourself?
1: My name is Jamie Peck, I am the director and founder of Reconfigurable Robotics Lab at EPFL. Mm
0: -hmm. So, could you please tell us more about your research in soft robotics uh, so far?
1: Okay, so our lab focuses on developing novel uh, robotic systems. Uh, they're novel not only in terms of their uh, shape, sizes, their functionality, but also the components that they use to build them are um, quite unique. In the sense that we're not using completely traditional materials, not completely traditional um, actuators or sensors. Mm-hmm. This means that we're um, working on creating new types of actuators as well as sensing solutions, but also Integration methods: How to integrate uh, this type of novel actuator, sensor, and body material all into the same body?
0: Mm, interesting. So, I would like to ask you how you define soft robotics from your perspective. Uh, some researchers define soft robotics as a hybrid between being soft and rigid. So, or fully soft robotics, fully fully soft. So, how how you define soft robotics? Right. Um, that's a good question.
1: Um, softness in a robot, I, to me, soft robotics is really based on what you focus on when you're designing and developing and investing in robot, where, where you're focusing on the softness of the system. So when I say softness of system, it could come from the intrinsic softness, from the materials that you're using to build a robot meaning your materials Young's modulus is different from what you would conventionally go for, because you would go for something softer. Mm-hmm. It is still is a very relative term. So if you're looking for softer systems in terms of your uh, materials, that is one way of addressing intrinsic softness. But if you're also looking at addressing the extrinsic softness of system, meaning that you don't really necessarily want to change your material choices, but want to address the softness of system through um, design, um, uh, compliant design, or uh, system-level control, where you're trying to produce a soft motion. To me, that's also soft addressing softness in, uh, in robotic systems. So for me, the, under the umbrella of soft robotics, this is both, in
0: both soft, uh, intrinsic softness as well as extrinsic softness. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So I would like to ask you why just works of robotics. When this started and why you really became interested in this field. How does this the start begin?
1: It's a natural evolution for anyone who's designing a robot hardware, uh, hardware for robots. Because at the end, what we are trying to do is have a system that is working, functional, mm-hmm. and until now it was we relied on a lot of. Uh, over-the-shelf conventional components, and we have got to a point where the conventional components no longer work, conventional materials no longer work. So this is a uh, natural evolution into a different um, genre of uh, manufacturing process. So, it, getting introduced to a new type of manufacturing process, getting introduced to a new type of material, a new type of integration, and then this introduces also a new way of controlling systems as well. But I would not say there's ever a change, but it's more of a natural progression into searching for a new way of manufacturing uh, systems.
0: Mm-hmm, nice. So, I would like to ask you about the new project about soft artificial muscles for haptics applications. We would like to know more details about this project here.
1: So the latest publication work, we call it um, SPA skin. SPA stands for Soft Pneumatic Actuator's skin, mm-hmm. And what the, the unique aspect of this uh, SPA skin is that we are using very thin um, PDMS or silicone to create a zero-thickness um, uh, actuation, What we do is we have um, um, a high-resolution um, a laser mic- micro machining system that allows us to create very small, um, uh, reservoir or a bubble mm-hmm. that allows us to, um, uh, vibrate it in very high frequency, uh, with air. So without having any, um, PZT element, or, uh, or metal element, we're able to create very high frequency that has a high fidelity. So it's a two things. We're cre- you're able to create very thin, Stretchable actuator with the high frequency uh, actuation with a uh, forced air. And by changing the air pressure, you're also able to modulate the force it produces as well, meaning the amplitude changes and the pressure changes into this bubble. And when you change the air pressure and the frequency of the airflow, you're able to two things one is the force, and one is um, of frequency, when mm-hmm. you can change the frequency as well as the force, the feedback the person who is wearing this skin, which measures less than one millimeter or a couple hundred microns, feel like you're touching something.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we are using this to um, we have shown in publication where we show that we can make a very high fidelity control mm-hmm. of the force as well as the frequency. So this means not only the person can feel. So by um, being able to change and modulate the frequency and the force, we're able to create a very organic and realistic touch sensation. Mm -hmm. But that's not it. We are able to also uh, measure what the effect of touch on top of the skin. What Mm -hmm. does that mean? We never, when you're measuring uh, behavior in an actuator, we usually do it on on the test bed. And what we measure in the test bed is not exactly the same as when you wear that actuator or sensor. And just, and then there's a discrepancy uh, when you have a wearable technology. Mm-hmm. What we're able to do with this interface is that we it has a sensor embedded directly under the actuator, we're able to not only produce the output of the actuation with, to give you realistic haptic feedback, but also we're able to measure what you're feeling mm-hmm. because we can have very high fidelity measurement of what the actuator is doing at the same time. So this is quite exciting because it's, it's the first time we, anyone's shown that um, the haptic interface is measuring what is actual force on directly on top of the, uh, the skin. Mm-hmm. And now we can quantify what people are feeling without relying on uh, survey results.
0: Mm-hmm, nice. So what's the planning for application for this? How you can see this could be applied in, in real life applications? Right.
1: So this SP skin, because it's so thin and embedded with sensors, we can directly imagine that it can be used as an interface to produce uh, haptic feedback. Whatever you see on the screen or what well, you don't see on the screen, but you can just have a direct uh, tactile feedback on top of your skin. Let mm-hmm. it be on the fingertips or forearm or different parts of the body, like back of neck for uh, prosthetic wearers. So Mm-hmm. Uh, and also imagine this can be lining of other, other uh, you know, you can work with a conjunction with other wearable devices where you can line the inside of other wearable devices or prosthetics to give an extra feedback channel, a tactile feedback channel.
0: Mm, great. So there are the improvements you plan to do for this project, uh, extended improvement or challenges already you need to solve related to the project. Right.
1: Right, so I think it's a challenge for all types of wearable devices that are Mm. using soft interface. The challenge really is to interconnect, the physical interconnect from the outlet of um, of sensors and actuators. So you can have a very great photo of the actual surface that you're measuring things off of, Mm. but you have to have uh, wires that's connecting back to the computer that's going to process all the data. So the the engineering challenge here is how to connect, uh, make this interconnect some uh, more robust. But I think it's not just an engineering challenge because uh, there is no real good solution. So to me, that's also a scientific question. Is there a way to have a more robust interconnected design in a certain way or have a materials that can allow us to have a better interconnect? So this is an open question for, I think, for the community as well.
0: Hmm, Nice point. So I would like to ask you here about, uh, so far you have been working for a long time with robotics. What are the misconceptions about soft robotics? in other interviews some researcher highlighted that uh, they started to the approach and later on figure out it is not the right technique to address the dynamic of a system mm-hmm. do you mm-hmm. think there is misconceptions okay. really you have faced already uh, or do you think in soft robotics we have some misconceptions um i think there is a misconception it's a it's a well uh, the
1: misconception of the in the community, or a misconception among the community
0: members? No, about the research. If uh, I mean in general, if uh, about something we mis have misconception... From
1: outside of or inside?
0: books as you like, uh, as as you prefer, both inside out. Yeah. Uh, um.
1: Well, it's it's difficult to say for other uh, researchers, but I think the reaction I get most often from outside the soft robotics community is that uh, they are not so sure uh, if it's real robotics mm-hmm. or if it's some um, outlets of uh, non-roboticists gathering together to explain um, uh, something they cannot explain, meaning Mm. trying to justify whatever they cannot make work. They're trying to make it work with other solutions, which is is also, uh, um, I think, not completely off of topic, because there's since it's a new field, a new group, um, there are a lot of questions that's yet to be answered. Mm. Um, so I think it's one of the ways that we need to make an effort is that we cannot all say, uh, or one way of addressing this uh, uh, misconception is that we cannot really rely on replying to questions, why self-robotics, with saying, oh, it's softer, it's mm. safer, And it's going to be more friendly or customizable. Mm. I don't think that's the wise way to go about it Mm. because this is a very I I I tell my students that it's quote unquote lazy way of avoiding um, Mm. great questions. Yeah. So. As soon as we start uh, covering up the answers by saying, oh, well, we do so for because it's safer and uh, uh, customizable and cheaper. This is not a strong statement. Um, it really, we really need to go a little deeper into one step further and to say, how is it really safer? What do you mean by safe? What do you mean by customizability? Mm-hmm. Is it really interactive or not? Just because it's silicone does not mean it's interactive. And also it does not mean it's, um, uh, it's user-friendly either. Mm. But to me, any robotic system is just as strong as its weakest link. If your weakest link is gonna be soft silicone, we better explain why it means it still is a valid uh, solution. Mm. Um, so I think we need to be a little, little bit more um, exigent in terms of how we reply to questions. I'm not saying it is wrong, but mm. we need to do a little more effort.
0: Yeah, that's really good point. Do you think this is related to regulation, just to make sure that the robots we make sure it's uh, biocompatible or <laughs> I, 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 just a question because you really this is a really important point so well, what your thought about regulation if we're using soft robotics because
1: I'm not so sure. Like regulations um, mm. are there for a reason, and mm. just because you're using different material does not mean you don't need to go through regulations. Mm. Um, but for any type of regulations um, uh, for wearables, if you're, I guess you're talking about regulations. I guess it's for wearable we have to have some sort of standard way of measuring the effectiveness of the actuators or sensors that we're developing. It cannot be just measured on top of a, a, a desktop because at the end it's going to be measured and it needs to be worn by humans and it's going to have a different impact, physical impact and performance on a different test body. Hmm. So making additional effort in terms of how we uh, quantify and um, quantify and um, uh, justify the effectiveness or proficiency of these um, soft robotic components would become quite important. I mean, we, I think it has not been the question that was critical to answer because mm-hmm. everyone's trying to make something work. So it was not the question to ask until now. But now we have a very plethora of actuators and mm-hmm. Um, I think it's about time that we start looking at not every lab creates their own standard of measuring things, but have some sort of a standardized way of measuring and um, Uh, quantify uh, the findings so that it's reproducible.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. So um, I would like to skip out because you work mainly focused on material also and you enhancing capabilities of the material to sense and actuate it. So do you think that uh, we have as a community whether to focus in material aspect enhancing the material capabilities in terms of actuation and sensing or coming up with control algorithms to achieve the desired performance. Which one we have? Do you think that it's more uh, worthwhile to focus effort on? Either the material side or just uh, coming up with control or algorithm for soft robotics?
1: I think both are very important because one side is really talking about mm. computational morphology in mm-hmm. terms of the control aspect. And the other end is really about embedded intelligence in terms of material. Mm-hmm. So, The beauty of software watch community is that these two research community is coming together in terms of um, the research efforts, the material scientists as well as computer scientists and electrical engineers and different algorithms and AI background people are all interested in joining the the community. So I really think the beauty and the effort should be really pushing toward having these two groups come together and creating uh, uh, a robust solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may not be a, gr- a bigger solution or a comprehensive solution, but having a, a simple yet robust solution for certain materials with a certain control mechanism, that would be really beautiful.
0: Mm-hmm. But do you think that you have plans to, as other groups, uh, designing fully software like computer Quantum computers, zero mm-hmm. and one. This is something that's really like push in the direction of having fully soft robotics. But uh, do you right. think the direction could be promising in, uh, if we have a comparison between uh, the two approaches?
1: I'm not so sure. Um, yeah. I think it's it's very difficult to compare because there's no really basis. Um, again, it's difficult to compare when when there's no standard mm-hmm. uh, where everyone's following. Right now, this is really wild, wild west. <laughs> so whoever put down the flag, this is what you admire. That, that researcher or that group has gone that far. You mm-hmm. admire that work. Um, before you can really color the boundaries and frontiers, I think we should really try to expand our expertise. And once there's a starting to have overlap of um, of the findings, I think that's the time we should look at what is the mode of uh, optimization between different um, solutions that we already see. Mm. And I think it's a little too early to really come down with which is a better way to do something. Because I think everyone, um, Mm. this is still exciting uh, and a very growth time for soft robotics. So I think it's a little too early to say Mm -hmm. which direction is the best, better way to go.
0: Yeah. So do you think what we, we have a problem in understanding different language? Because now we have material science and control aspect. Do you think there is something issue have be enhanced in understanding level of understanding different languages? Um, is there is a problem? Do you think, or uh, how do you see this different languages between different groups in soft robotics?
1: I think I don't think it's a more it's a problem. I think it's the reflection of what each group think is more important. Or mm-hmm. more important for them, their research. So I think it's a good indication to understand what matters to that specific group more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I think it's a, it's opportunity to uh, get familiar with the uh, vocabularies. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it gets a little more confusing for uh, when you're going through journal articles, or if you're actually uh, reviewing uh, articles. You have to be really careful not to assume things when you read certain words, though. Mm. So, I think that's where we should be very uh, careful and be uh, uh, meticulous about learning uh, further about this um, how different groups use certain terms differently. Um, maybe, like I said, if we everyone there's when it comes a repeated and overlapped uh, questions and uh, uh, incidences, probably there's going to be some sort of um, optimization of a choice of words. But I think it's really the infancy of how um, mm-hmm. a different fields are um, coming together. So I think I think we should. Be careful, and uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of how we interpret them. But I think it's a it's a good sign that we everyone was talking about integrative science, um, uh, 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 integrative science, and how we need to be interdisciplinary in terms of when you're trying to find solutions. And this is a really good Mm -hmm. signal and sign that it is happening. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So. uh, I would like to ask you, whether there is interesting project currently you are planning for, or something you you doing in soft robotics. You would like to share. In my lab, or yeah,
1: in second. your lab,
0: and and you, later the question would be the other groups, uh,
1: right? Yeah. Uh. I guess in my lab, everything is exciting. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I think um, I think we are, our lab, what's exciting right now is that, you know, it's, we have worked on different aspects of actuators, sensors, and mm-hmm. design methodology. And that's been really the three pillar of uh, our lab, um, creating different solutions. And what's exciting now is that we are not only... Uh, Designing these new actuators, but we are at the point where we can start getting the fruits out of them. We can use these actuators and sensors and fabrication methods to create a comprehensive robotic solution. Uh, We've been showing comprehensive robotics for for a smaller scale, but the next step is really to show it on the wearable devices Mm. that can be used to have a better um, interaction through um, uh, another channel of communication, as well as having a different feedback or uh, different
0: um, interactive tasks mm-hmm. cool so uh, now about the challenging that could so- face soft robotics in the long run, what is the main challenges that could face soft robotics or in the long run, what could be the yeah. challenges
1: mm good question i think in the short term i think it's really about how to create results that are reproducible Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and how we can create new um, uh, how can we uh, work on the synergetic uh, efforts from different research groups because we're at the point where uh, different research groups have their own solutions for certain things but they're not really, um, um, uh, converging. Mm. I mean, there are different ways like, um, podcasts and different toolkits online that's helping it out a lot. But everyone has their own struggle in terms of reproducing certain works. Mm. So reproducibility as well as um, how we measure the effectiveness of these systems and repeatability, reproducibility in terms of the research results, but also in terms of actual component-wise um, repeatability. I think mm-hmm. that would be quite important because that's the only way we can move forward to the next step, um, not just as an elemental component-wise self-robots, so, so but using actual these components to make a comprehensive uh, robotic system that really links back into the core of soft robotics, interactive mm. system.
0: That's a good point. It's a very important point. And what do you think could be a solution? Because sometimes we don't have these data set for to make sure that research is from different social What could be the solution you think about it for, for this problem?
1: Solution. Um, I think we have to really be um accepting um, so I guess the biggest way we or the the most popular way we receive news uh, on the on the new research results mm-hmm. is through um, journals and publications um, the publications and the journals don't really um, make a publication on how things are done and mm-hmm. the failures of um, certain devices or research efforts mm-hmm. It's diff- because it's quite um, uh, subjective. So I understand why it's difficult to peer review it and, and publish it. Mm-hmm. But I think that we should have a different channel to publish such type of uh, research efforts. Because mm-hmm. it's not just engineering effort, it's actual research effort because there are certain decisions that's taken to try that certain um, uh, direction and way and design and parameters. So... We should value these uh, failures, um, failures, quote-unquote failures, and it would be nice to have a channel to see other people's, quote-unquote, failures, to understand what are the potential way of uh, finding a solution is.
0: Mm-hmm. That's uh, also a good point to be highlighted. So if I ask you about what could be the open questions for the moment, open to soft robotics community, questions in the, in the recent moment, we have to ask ourselves or haven't been asked yet?
1: I think you asked most of them. I think I answered most of them. So how do we make this more transversal in terms of technology? How do we approach or how do we um, define our uh, common challenge, common goals? Mm -hmm. How do you make sure to um, uh, make a cohesive vocabulary between the different research Mm -hmm. groups or different research domains? So I think these are really good points, um, the questions
0: that um, was already asked to me. Okay, that's good. So for now, the industry part. Do you think that software robotics can find a place in, in industry? And, and for your robots, do you have a planning to commercialize or partner with industry? How do you see okay. this, this vibes in the industry?
1: Definitely, I you know there was a couple of startup efforts uh,
0: in uh, a couple of
1: years ago. It's mm-hmm. Literally called soft robotics. So it is this year. This is this is the future. Future is present. But not just as a, if you're imagining soft robotics for industry application like uh, Michelin man. Uh, probably it's not going to be in that form, but in a smaller form, the component wise. Either actuator or sensors or combination, or for certain uh, uh, platforms, you will find soft robotic uh, 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 solutions uh, seeping into this uh, more classical uh, conventional robotic systems. You will find sensors that surrounding a uh, soft sensor surrounding uh, conventional. The reason we don't see it immediately is because mm. it costs money, <laughs> and then when mm. the, the and then. And then this is partially because we haven't shown the repeatable results mm. and and it's quite young as well. So if the industry wants to take a notice, they want to have a very robust solution. and robustness is not something that software robust community have been focusing on. So mm. I think it's really when we can start showing the robustness and repeatability of our results and solutions. Mm. That being said, horizontally uh, robust. We've been producing and developing and studying in our lab. That's has had that uh, that has a, a spinoff and from our lab. So that is actually a company with a product. So yeah, we are seeing um, a bit by bit um, software-wise community expanding out to the actual
0: industry and, and applications. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, so and, and for software, how to make us uh, I think you answered really how to make soft robotics companies successful I think you highlight the issue of repeatability and that's why I think it's kind of advice so it's a good point um, so yeah I would like to ask you about how do you think that um, soft robotics really gaining attention to the general public uh, they really aware that soft robotics could bring a so- solution for the future, for their lives do you do you, do you think this is something is happening already?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's already a TED Talk on it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and a TED Talk. I don't want to say TED Talk is really the mainstream thing, but it is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's outreaching to a general public, and I get asked a lot to give talks to the general public. So I I would say uh, just purely the number wise, that people who've been attending and listening to these talks are. Quite mind-boggling. And what's quite uh, surprising and interesting is that after the software bodies came in, the new generation of um, students who've been watching different types of uh, uh, animation movies have a different understanding of robots compared to the older generation, mm. where the older generations are more. Have uh, as soon as we t- say robots, they remember the reference to um, uh, Terminator type movies. Whereas a younger generation students actually makes a reference to the animation with a cute image of mm. uh, Michelin Man. So yes, if even if there's no direct product in our hands right now, commercial product. They, the idea of robots and how they can influence our lives are changing mm-hmm. and they may not relate these soft robotic solutions to be robots because they don't look like robots with arms and legs mm. or humanoids, they don't look like humanoids, but if you were to tell them what the definition of robot is, they would soon realize what they're using and they want to have and they crave are at the end robots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. A- and according to my definition of soft robotics which means intrinsic softness and extrinsic softness they have to be forcefully be soft because any wearable need to be soft to be on the body
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i would like to ask you about for instance uh, irobot company uh, the ceo uh, said that uh it's not a law about technology for for example uh He doesn't want to invest in developing a smart skin for perceiving uh, that environment. So instead, he was focusing on coming up with sensors and technology. Do do you think this is something also... uh, I don't know how you see this statement.
1: Yeah, probably. Um, I'm not a business person, but every product has its own um, time. Mm. Uh, Just because technology is good does not mean it's going to be a good product. And there is a good timing and good solution. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. If the wheel's working perfectly fine, you don't need a more complex solution. So, but that doesn't mean you should stop working on advancing technology, Hmm. because it may be a not good product at that moment. That technology can be spin off into something else. It will create different product. But if you're trying to make that product and that's the only reason you're working on the technology, maybe that's the wrong way to go as a business person. But as a researcher, Creating and advancing technology creates more outlets of different product ideas and uh, solutions. So that's just one end of looking at it Um, um, as a a business person who is looking for products. In that case, that person needs to look at different technological solutions Mm -hmm. if necessary. But as a researcher, that should not stop us from developing the next generation of technology. Mm -hmm. Today it will be a sensing scan, but tomorrow it may be uh, a sensing patch for giving uh, feedback to higher resolution
0: actuation. So Mm -hmm. you will
1: have a different purpose.
0: Mm. Yeah. So now for more philosophic questions. Uh, Uh. (laughs) (laughs) As you are a successful researcher, do you think that ego is important for researchers in the field? When you have an ego, it's really important what do you think about it
1: as a to be successful as a researcher
0: yeah you are an example already in soft robotics field and i'm asking you because many young researchers are listening to you and do you think ego is important for a researcher <laughs> this is a
1: dangerous one <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I if you were to ask me is confidence important i think so yeah um, ego gets a really bad rap but if you're referring to confidence i think it's very important you have to have um integrity in terms of what you're doing um and what you believe in if your belief is based on something that's completely wrong i guess that will get a problem mm-hmm. but having an open mind but still believing yourself i think is very important um because at the end academia is really about reputation reputation of how you conduct your own research and how you're pushing for for something that you believe is interesting and mm-hmm. worthwhile doing, so having a very a clear goal may not be um, may not be uh, easy all the time, but trying to maintain your integrity in terms of your ethics as mm-hmm. well as your goal of why you're doing science and why you're pursuing. Um, career and um, uh, a research that should be clear to you. And if and that's where the self confidence and ego comes in. It takes an ego and confidence to keep that way because there's going to be a lot of naysayers and a lot of failures. Mm. And if you don't have that, it will be difficult to swim through. Um, so yeah, I think it's important um, mm. as long as it's based on
0: the on the positive <laughs> side. <laughs> Okay, that's good. Ask you as a PhD supervisor, what are the main qualities you're looking for a PhD student? Is it you're looking for the skills or the qualities? Which is more important to you? Uh,
1: um, good question. I think it changes every year. Mm. Uh, as I mature as a supervisor, as I mature as a researcher, my idea of a uh, uh, great researcher changes. Uh, but I think the part where that remains consistent is as uh, someone who's a nice person. I think is very important. Nice, who has integrity, and who's open, who who's who stays curious. That's a mm. person because at the end, the PhD student is someone again who we supervise to become our colleagues in the field. Um, even that person may or may not become an academic, it's a person who has a PhD degree to show that this person has been in this community for four or five years and who pursued the the research uh, aspect where, you know, everyone suffers and try to find solution for something that does not have the right solution yet. Mm. So I, that means this is a, a comrade, a colleague um and collaborator that I need to work with for for a couple of years, and this means I want that person to have a, a, an integrity and uh, to be a nice person. Mm. Because at the end, we are doing this work to make, at least for me, I I do research and I make robots to make the humanity a better place, uh, the the world a better place. Mm. And you want to do that with someone that you want to work with and someone who believes in the same um, goal. so, yeah, yeah, I think that's one of the things that's most important. Uh, someone that I want to work with and someone who I want to be proud to call my collaborator.
0: Great. So, lastly, uh, if there's a life advice, you can give it to a researcher. <laughs> yeah, because sometimes... Uh, I I, need I, it. I, I need think we're stuck time time sometimes. I need it. <laughs> so, Some students stuck uh, in the research sometimes, and, and, and sometimes it's, it is hard for... But I don't know, because you have experience already, and you are a successful researcher, uh, this is something already we all know. What advice you can really think uh, you can give to students or starting researchers? Um, it's a
1: good question. I think we have to always remember that we are very, very, very fortunate mm. to 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 have opportunity to do any mm. research. Mm. If it's no one, this is position with a lot of, um, uh, this is a position that not everyone has the luxury to have. Um, so this is, you're, you're paid to find solutions for unknown uh, uh, questions with unknown answers. And this is not just the ego problem, but it's, it's, it's. Maybe it's an ego problem for some people because it just fulfills their ego. But this is a really important role for for really for the future of science. Whatever we discover is something that will be shared to mm-hmm. the rest of the world. And not only it is important role because we are put in a position to find the truth, but also you're at the position and luxury to be able to do that. So... As a starting researcher, you have to remember that you are very lucky. I think that's the first thing. And second thing is you will have difficulties Mm -hmm. because there's no answer. And you have to remember these difficulties inherent difficulty of the position is that you need to look for something that we don't know how to find
0: mm, yeah
1: <laughs> regardless of the people around regardless of what the project is that's the that's the underlying premise you you have to look for an answers that does not have an answer yet mm-hmm. so that's going to be the the premise um, that being said it's your decision it's, you always have a choice you have to make it, every day you make a choice and it's your, even though it's, uh, a, it's a very fortunate position to have, a position to, to the research. But it's your choice to do it. And if you're having difficulty, and if you're in the challenge, if you're in the roadblock, just remind yourself you're a very lucky person to be in the position. But you still have a choice. It's your choice to be, going through this. Mm-hmm. And if it, if there's a different opportunity that would make you happier. Then mm-hmm. that's your choice as well. Just mm-hmm. always keep in mind that you always have a choice, and um, hopefully that would keep you, uh, uh, keep you in the academia and the research area. But mm-hmm. if not, then it may not be for everyone. But I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: uh i think it's it's important to remind ourselves that we are in a very very lucky place and then we also have a responsibility to give back to the society because at the end all the research that we're doing is some are coming from a public funding. Mm-hmm. It's coming from like, taxpayers' money. Or, or, And then the research institution, institutes are mostly public as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are made and built so that we can improve the quality of lives of, of general humanity. So to remember that we do carry responsibility as a scientist. That what we ever find should be Used and toward applications, eventually maybe, uh, for making a world world a better place. So mm-hmm. I think that is something that we always forget quite often because it's so far away. Mm-hmm. The applications are so far away, but at the end, I feel that is some uh, that's a vision that you should keep in, in your head.
0: Thanks. It's a, a deep advice. Thank you. And, <laughs> and I, I would like to ask you if you have a final word for the soft robotics community listening. Final words you would like to add. Um, uh, I don't know. What, what should I say? <laughs> I do like uh, something you would like to say for the community. Uh, just as you wish, what, what you would like to say to end this, uh, this episode. Okay.
1: I'm, uh, it, it's just this past couple of years has been a most wonderful time to be in the community. Mm. I, we can still call it a community because it's a quite close-knit family type of environment. Most people know which family tree they're following, academic family tree they're coming from. You're mm-hmm. quite aware of which group is working which uh, which topic, so we can really embrace this community uh, tightness uh, right now. But at the same time, because it's a, such a great community, it's it's growing so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would like the people who's In the community right now and who's considering uh, pursuing their career in software robotics and going further with the research, um, to come in with open mind, but at the same time, cherish every moment that you're meeting new colleagues or, uh, when you're looking at uh, new projects, uh, that you're, you're faced with. Because, um, once it becomes a much bigger community, we may not really, we may sort of lose track of what, um, what the community brings to the table so keep eyes on uh, eyes open for new challenges mm-hmm. and new topics but at, at the same time try to maintain this uh, communal aspect of the community mm-hmm. so that means you be able to talk with people much easier and um, find some un, unexpected solutions when you're when you're close by to the um, the person next to you so yeah. Help not... to maintain this community aspect of the uh, soft robotics.
0: Ah, great. So uh, I really would like to thank you for this insightful talk and <laughs> as well. <laughs> thank you. I really enjoyed it. Uh, thanks so much for your time, Professor Jemmich. Thank you. Okay.
1: Thank you very much.